Welcome. You are listening to Bible teaching from Island Community Church in downtown Memphis, Tennessee. We hope today's message helps you grow in relationship with Jesus. You can access more gospel resources and ways to connect with our church at iccmemphis.com. Thank you for listening. Well, good morning, church family. It's great to see you guys this morning. I am Barrett Bowden, one of the pastors here at Island Community Church, and a special welcome to you. Um, We're so grateful that you're here. We are a church that is united in our love for the Lord um, and His love for us in Jesus Christ, but also in our love for one another. And I do pray this morning um, that you know that you are loved. You're loved by God. You're also loved by us. And I just want to welcome you today. Um, We are, in the next two weeks, going to be focused together as a church family around a conversation about our church's work in our local community. Um, You might know our ministry in the local community as what's on the screen. Uh, We call it in our discipleship and our ministry of this church, we call our work here in our local community, local ministry. And we say in local ministry, God's grace brings salvation and restoration to our lives and moves us to extend his gospel and his grace to others. Um, you're going to get to hear today, not from me, but from Robbie Crafton, one of the other pastors of our church, also from Katasha Ross, our local ministry coordinator, as well as from a team of people who have been working over the last year in service to our church. And I'll talk about that more in just a second. But you're going to get to hear um, vision from God's word, but also from work that we have done in our community over the last year that I really want you this morning to lean into. You'll hear this verse probably in just a little bit as they teach, but from Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 7, we know God's heart uh, for our local place when he says, seek the welfare of the place where I have led you into exile. And he says to pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare, you will find your welfare. We know that God has a heart for us to grow in a heart for the place that he's planted us. Some of us are here for a short time. Some of us are here for a longer time. But this is the place that God has planted us right now in this season. And one of the things that we want to do this morning is lean in to learn more about God's heart for this place that he's planted us and to learn more about what it looks like for us to not only grow into his heart, uh, but to grow in also action here in our community to be his ambassadors right here where we're planted. So I'm excited about these weeks. I, I just want to briefly say, in case y'all think that this is a new thing for us in October um, or a weird random thing, it's really not. Um, I think we've got some pictures that show this, but actually all the way back when I moved to Memphis 12 years ago, we back in the, back in the day, and you can find me somewhere in this picture, um, a very different version of myself, Um, But back in the day, we were having, in October, Faith in Action Month. This is when our church, some of y'all, like Lara, Sharice, and Gary back there, y'all remember these days at the Montessori School. And we would literally, on one or two Sundays a month in October, we would take time to go and serve the neighborhood. Uh, We have always seen an opportunity in the month of October, and part of it is the strategic things that happen around, let's just be honest, what happens around Fall Fest, like the church version of Halloween, you know what I'm talking about. Um, But... A lot of times in the month of October, 
There seems to be this openness, this opportunity in neighborhoods for us to, to really reach out as good neighbors and, and engage in meaningful ministry. And we've always used the month of October as an opportunity to come back to the conversation around just where God has planted us and what does it look like in this season, in your life and in mine, and for us as a church to be engaged in our neighborhoods. And we're talking strategically about um, some specific neighborhoods that you hear about in the second. Now, I know that over the last few years, um, there has been a lot of disruption in what we as a church have been able to do in the community, and things are getting back to some sense of normalcy. But really, over the last few years, what you need to know is that we as a church really used the disruption as an opportunity to engage in some new ways in the community, to, to creatively serve in some ways we hadn't before. And God has even shown us in the last years some new things that I believe, we believe he's leading us into for the future. But also we've been working behind the scenes. If y'all remember, if you know anything about our church, you know we're a church that's being led by vision. And we're a church on mission. And we've got some strategic goals that we've been really praying toward um, up until the year 2025 that we've been working on even in the last five years. And one of the big areas that we have been praying and working is that God would allow us to redevelop and to implement a new community outreach strategy. And a couple of years ago, actually it was last year, not a couple of years, last year, we as a church voted on affirming a specific team of people and a specific task to go about the work of actually doing an assessment in our community, a comprehensive, what we call a 360 degree assessment. And if you came in this morning and you got one of those brochures, you're gonna see in that document the work that that team has been doing over the last year. And Katasha Ross was hired last year uh, to lead our local ministry efforts, but also to help lead this assessment process. And before I wanna uh, do anything else, I just wanna ask you to give a round of applause to Robbie, Katasha, and the assessment team for all they've done to get us even to this point. So thank you so much. Um, but essentially what you're gonna have opportunity to hear this week and next week is the fruit of years of prayer and a strategic one year of opportunity from last fall around this time to date uh, for us to do some deep dive into understanding the, this place that God has planted us more and to understand the opportunities that we have because of where we've been planted. So I pray you'll lean in. Thank you uh, in advance for doing that. And thank you, Robbie, for leading us out from here. Can I pray for us? And then we'll continue. Father, thank you for um, the opportunity we have um, to know more of your heart. We thank you for this day of worship and we are here for you. I pray, God, that now as we hear from your words, Lord, that we would be open to receive you. We thank you for your heart of love for all people and your heart of love for the people of this city. We thank you for bringing us here. Lord, you have planted us here. And all of our stories are unique, but Lord, we trust your sovereign hand that in this moment we are where you want us to be here in Memphis. We pray today, God, that you would open our hearts to know your heart for the people of this city. There is so much need in terms of lostness and just practical need, of need for help. And I pray, God, that you would awaken 
us to your heart of concern for those who really are in such need of you and that you would make us more light, more salt, more of your ambassadors that we might declare your goodness and grace through our lips and through our lives. So Lord, we are open to you today. Thank you for these who have led us to even get to the point of the conversation today. And we pray your blessing on them and your blessing on this time. As we know, Lord, unless you build the house, the labors build in vain. We entrust it to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Robbie. Yeah, thanks so much, Barrett. How's it going today, church? Good to see y'all. I'm Robbie. I'm one of the elders here at the church and uh, get to serve our church as the executive pastor. I'm really excited uh, to be able to journey with you uh, through some different aspects of our uh, local ministry assessment and strategy process today. Uh, but first, I really wanted to begin uh, just helping you understand where this is grounded in the word, right? So you see a slide that comes up that's like, we bring help and hope to our community. That's great. Local ministry. What is that? What is that about? Where does that come from in scripture? And so I feel really excited to, to journey together uh, through that uh, with you briefly this morning. But I want to start out just with a, a simple question. Uh, does anybody ever, is, it, is there any reminiscers in the house? Anybody like to reminisce on past seasons? Yeah, okay, we got a couple of reminiscers. I see a few hands going up. You know, uh, some of us, I'm not a big reminiscer, but it is, it is interesting every now and then to, um, anybody ever jump on Facebook and just kind of look at photos from past seasons of your life or anything? Okay, a couple of people will do that. You know, I, I, it's, it's really interesting sometimes. That can be a great thing. Sometimes that's not a great thing. Luckily, I was born far before the Facebook generation really captured their whole lives on uh, Facebook. So I feel excited about that. But uh, Grace Ann, we throw some of these photos up? So I did a little bit of reminisce, and I think it's helpful. So this is uh, me. I think I was like five years old here. Next photo. We'll move on quickly from that one. Uh, I went through a bow tie. Yeah, and my body is still about the same as a five-year-old boy. Five-year-old boy. Uh, yeah, it's really funny. I went through a bow tie phase. I, I don't even know where that came from. You know, it's it's really weird uh, getting in. Keep going, Grace. And this is just, yeah. And there was like a man, very cool, a musician phase. There's oh, midriff phase. That's weird. I don't know. The, the baseball, a little baseball. So this is even. Hang on, once. Oh, hang on, Grace. And yeah. So does anybody have a friend even that will will even text them maybe photos of like just past outfits that they wore or things that they did that just every now and then they'll just drop them on you just to remember how ridiculous that moment was. So I have one of those friends. You all know him well. He was just up here. So he'll text me through different moments. This is when I did really bad with uh, baseball. Uh, we were at the Louisville Slugger Museum and we were trying to hit and I, I talked a, a mean game and uh, I, I really, it was pitiful that day. All right, next, next photo. Uh, we're, I think we're about to play some tennis or something like that. These are, these are my good outfit choices. Next photo. This is, I can't believe I'm showing this. So he, he'll remind me how far I've come as his friend. But it's really funny looking uh, back in the past at different memories that we have. And, and oftentimes, okay, yeah, let's get those off the screen. People are starting to like zoom in, take photos, get in on them with their iPhones. So let's, let's skip ahead on that. But it is really funny when you take time to, to reminisce on past seasons. And, and this morning, one of the, the things that I just kind of want to begin with in each one of our hearts is uh, taking a pause today because I think a real desire and love to bring help and hope to our community comes from a deep understanding and satisfaction and thankfulness 
of the help and hope in the gospel that has come to us. And so this morning, sometimes that takes getting in touch with a little bit of our past ugliness, a little bit of who we were before we knew Jesus. It takes time to slow down, to remember again in our hearts what the gospel has meant to us and what it truly has meant to move from death into life. And so I want to give you time to do that. In your, in your mind's eye, I want to give you a few minutes to scroll through your Facebook reel to remember what Christ has done for you, what he's saved you out of and called you into. Maybe for those of you that were, came to know Christ at a very young age in your life, you just want to, in this time, offer thankfulness for how Christ has like protected you, <laughs> how he's kept you through long seasons. For those of us who haven't walked with Christ very long, I want to encourage you, just take a minute, just in, in your own heart, in your own words to the Lord, just be with God and offer up a thankful heart again for what the Lord has done for you. So let's do that now. You can just close your eyes and spend a couple minutes with God. This morning, we're going to spend a few minutes uh, with a people in Scripture that were a messy people, had a messy past, and that God had called to himself, and he had given new purposes. They were so messy, in fact, that Paul had to write them two letters. They couldn't get it together after the first one, you know, so they had to, they had to get a follow-up. This is helpful. We're going to dive into the follow-up, and so I want to invite you to open up your Scripture this morning to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to look at... Uh, probably to many of us, a relatively familiar passage of Scripture. <clears throat> We're going to be looking at 5, 16 through 21. 2 Corinthians was written by Paul to this church in Corinth. It was written to encourage believers in the hope, that new hope that they have in Christ Jesus. It was written to challenge believers on to endurance and perseverance in Christ for the reward that they would have with him in heaven. And it was written inviting and re-inviting some of them, reinvigorating their hearts, re-inviting them to the mission of Christ. I want to read starting in verse 16. Paul says, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us a ministry, the ministry of reconciliation. That is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against him and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. 
Therefore, we're ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. And we implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I want to look at a few different ways in this passage uh, that God uh, offers redemption to us as his children. Those of us who have believed on Christ's work on the cross of Calvary, we've believed in our hearts and put our faith in him uh, today that we see the Lord redeems our lives. He redeems our being and he redeems our doing. Those two ideas are going to frame a lot of our conversation today and next week around the ideas of being and doing. Sometimes when we talk about local ministry, gospel sharing, different things like that, we just go straight to the doing, right? We just move really quickly to like, how do I get to work? How do I do good work? How do I bring help to those around, around me? But I first think, and we really believe as a team, that the essence of understanding how to be a minister of the gospel to people around us, how to bring help and hope, comes from truly understanding where that comes from our very being as well as our doing. The first point I want to talk about today is how God redeems our being. And this is going to go pretty quick. It's pretty simple. I encourage you to take some notes, maybe think about it later. But I think it'll be helpful for framing the rest of our conversation. God redeems our being. First, we see in Jesus, he makes us new. If we go back to verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is past. Behold, the new has come. Is anybody thankful when you took a, took a few minutes to close your eyes and think back on who you were before Christ, that the Lord has made you new? I'm thankful. Anybody else thankful? The Lord makes us new. He takes our old self, and it's not just adopted into our new self. No. Scripture says the old is gone, and the new has come. Today, as we have and are continuing to experience the redemption of the Lord and our being, that we can treasure that, that we don't have to be identified by or held back by or reminded of the lies of our past of who we were before Christ, for he has made us new. Secondly, in Jesus, he reconciles us to God. Verse 18 says, all this from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. The Lord has restored. Anybody know that, that idea of reconciliation? I think we, we think about it a lot, but it's the idea of this like broken community with someone, or in this sense, with God. There's a broken community that our sin has wrought, a separation between us and God. There's a wall there that, that nothing can, that we can do can kind of break through that wall. Our sin has broken that, and we need to be reconciled to God. It's a work that we can't do in ourselves. Scripture says we, we can't boast in that. We can't do the work of being reconciled to God. But God redeems our being in that in Jesus, he reconciles us to himself. He does that work freely for us, restoring relationship in Jesus. In Jesus, God forgives sin. Point number three. In verse 19, we see this clearly. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them. What an amazing gift to the gospel 
the Christ who was our sacrifice on the cross of Calvary, who died for the forgiveness of our sins, the sins of those who would believe that today that I can stand forgiven by God, reconciled to God, and made new in Jesus. It's amazing how God redeems our being in the gospel. Secondly, God redeems our doing. So I want to move here. So what does this look like? So I I get it. The Lord has, has taken my heart and made it new. The Lord has taken my life and made it new. He doesn't count my sins against me. But how does this like impact my life here? I'm still in this world. I'm still working a job and I have relationships with people and I, I want my life to make meaningful impact here. What do I do with that? Not only does the Lord redeem our being, but he redeems our doing. And first we see in this passage that we have the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 18 says it so clearly. All this from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. So he did that that work reconciling us to God. But then also so clearly he gives to us a ministry of reconciliation. A ministry. I zoom in on that word ministry because I think it's an intentional choice there by Paul. And it's really where we derive the word help from as we talk about local ministry as a church. There's practical works that we get to be a part of that help to reconcile people with God. You can't dichotomize and separate uh, what the Lord has done for us and what he's doing through us in this ministry of reconciliation that he gives to us and calls us to. Secondly, we have the message of reconciliation. You see that here in verse 19. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against us, against them, and entrusting to us the message. So first we had ministry of reconciliation. Now we have message of reconciliation. That's where we get our word hope from. And it's truly, it could be exchanged with the gospel. Gospel, that word uh, meaning good news. There's a message of reconciliation. There's, there's good news that we get the opportunity not only to come alongside of people and help them and serve them and minister to their needs, but there's good news that the Lord is bringing through us into people's lives in this message of reconciliation. How is it that people can go from brokenness of relationship to restored community with God? This is something that the Lord has entrusted into each and every one of us. The word, the gospel, hope. Number three, we're commissioned for reconciliation. You see that in verse 20. Therefore, we're ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. I think this passage is really, really important in understanding a lot of the other contexts around it because you can say, okay, so Paul had this like, message entrusted to him and had this ministry. And it's like, oh, no, no, Paul's writing not about just himself. He's writing about the the church, the church. And then he calls. So you can say, you can look at it and say, oh, Paul's an ambassador. Like he's bringing this just word to the church. And it's like, no, no, no. There's a, there's a general sense and general context here around ambassadorship. And I think that's like an interesting uh, idea to think about, ambassadorship. There's a lot of world events going on right now where there's been ambassadors around the world and uh, for functioning in different countries, uh, representing 
the interests of the United States. You've, I'm sure you've heard about it. Does it, anybody ever know somebody that's been an ambassador to another country? No? Okay, well, that would have been cool. But, I, you know, I was, it was worth a shot. But I think what's interesting about the idea of being an ambassador, kind of just thinking about a few simple contexts that I think we, we all understand around that. One is, you're not from the country that you're, you're residing in. So you're actually from, you're a resident, a citizen of another country, and you're residing in a country representing the country from which you belong to. I think this is a really interesting choice of words for us because I think uh, it, it, woo, it, it messes with my heart a little bit because I think we uh, tend to uh, settle and forget as the people of God that we are not residents of this place anymore, that the Lord has made for us with him a home in heaven. He's called us to himself. He set us apart for the works that he intends us to. And there's a unique reality to that, to our identity. And so I want us to get stirred up a little bit about that because we're going to talk about our neighborhoods today. We're going to talk about work and opportunity. But I think we've got to remember, man, as much as I'm a citizen of the U.S., I'm a Memphian through and through. I live on Mud Island. It is my neighborhood. And I'm a, I'm a, a person who is here representing the interests of my true citizenship. And man, there's a deeper... There's a deeper reality there. There's a deeper stewardship there that I think is so important. The second reality of being an ambassador that I think is really important to uh, draw out in this context is not only are you not a citizen, but you actually have a unique assignment. (laughs) You're there for a purpose. The only reason you're an ambassador in the country is not because you're like, I want to move to, I don't know. Bora Bora and be the ambassador there because I like the beaches, you know, I'm uh, thinking about Indonesia or somewhere where you can enjoy the sun. No, 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 no. You're not sent to be an ambassador in a place because you just enjoy that place. You're sent for a specific reason. You're sent for a specific representation and you only remain in that place because there's a work to do. You hear about ambassadors sometimes getting recalled, taken home. One day we will go and be with God. We will be with him and he will be with us. He he will be our God, scripture says, and we will be his people. Today we're sent out into this place to represent him in a place that is not our home. We have a specific assignment to do as ministers of reconciliation. It's always shocking to me to think about ministry. I remember it was before I was called a pastoring, especially because I used to think ministry, you got a ministry, you're a pastor, you're doing full-time vocational ministry. But this passage, I think if you sit with it, see how the Lord has redeemed our being, He redeems our doing, we see that the Lord has given a call to every believer to have a ministry and to steward that ministry of reconciliation in the world that we live in. So I want to go ahead and invite up Ms. Katasha Ross, our local ministry director. Come on. Yeah. You got some fans, the crowds, the crowds. Uh, but to have an opportunity today, I want to unpack this a little bit further and press into this idea around the experience that we see of help and hope in the gospel. So I hope that maybe this conversation, we can work to kind of, y'all, I just want to invite you to kind of lean in. We're going to have some conversation, hope some meaningful questions will come out of this later as we get to walk together too. So welcome. Thanks. 
Yeah, for sure. So uh, talk to us about that for a minute. As we see kind of that unpacked a little bit there in 2 Corinthians, but in other places throughout Scripture, this unique reality when we're talking about stewarding gospel ministry and the church is called to be a vehicle of God's help and hope coming to people. Talk to me about that a little bit more. Maybe where, where else do we see that in the Word? Yeah, so I think a lot of times when we think about ministry, we think about our ver- key verses that talk about outreach and things like that, we immediately apply them overseas, right? We're like, all right, Acts 1-8, it's Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the earth. Um, I think for the, even for the Great Commission, we're like, yes, Jesus sent out his disciples in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, and we're supposed to do that all over the nation. But I think um, you see in Acts 1-8 that we're, we're called to be his witnesses. He, but, but even before that, if you back up, he says, you will receive power when my Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then he says, you'll be my witnesses. And then he tells us where. Judea, Samaria, um, Jerusalem is first. Sorry, guys. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. So there are lots of places where we see this. And um, then we also see in Ephesians 2.10 that um, we all know that we're saved, or the scripture says we're saved by grace through faith, Um, but it says that for these good works that God has prepared in advance for us to walk in, and so that's a part of our identity that comes with accepting Christ and deciding to be a follower of his. That's so good. Thank you for sharing that. I, I really, I sense in this, right, so where we were at in 2 Corinthians and in the Great Commission, like, mm-hmm. man, <clears throat> we talk about that a lot is, is not just given to a few, but I think in our hearts and our lives, maybe just with our posture, oftentimes we can live like that's actually not, that's not my call. That's not my commission. That's not my ministry. Mm-hmm. And I know some of what we wanted to highlight this morning and try to draw some attention to is the scripture's invitation and command mm-hmm. <laughs> that this is actually a unique part of our identity of being and doing as a believer of Jesus stewarding our, our personal ministry. Yeah, exactly. I think when you think about all the, the city of Memphis and all the good things that you can do in general, you can always volunteer in some way. I mean, there's even like Serve 901, different things like that. I think what is a distinctive of us as believers is that's a part of our identity that we want we are witnesses for him no matter where we go no matter what we do we seek to make christ known and so when we move we move with intention uh, throughout the city and so i think that's important to remember i know sometimes when you're trying to share the gospel with somebody or you're trying to share about jesus it's hard to make that leap from just talking about regular things to moving into sharing about him but those are just some of the things that make us different. Um, And it's why we don't just do good things in general. We're doing good things with the hope that we can be a witness for him, that that person can move from brokenness, their brokenness, to uh, being redeemed and healed. Yeah, yeah. So that's like not just like a church activity. That's like you're, you're talking about as we're like working with our neighbors the grocery store, you know, when you're stressed out in Kroger parking lot trying to find a space, you know, all those kind of things. But really, opportunity (laughs) is everywhere to see help and hope come in our community. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's an interesting thing to think about that dynamic, because even when you look across our congregation, some of you are more introverted, and some of you are more extroverted. And some of us, like, 
work from home. So we see each other, or we see ourselves, or our family all day, and some of us are surrounded by people all the time. God knew that. <laughs> he knew exactly where we would be, and he still has equipped us and given us what we need to make him known to those around us, whatever that looks like. I remember one time uh, being in seminary, there's a guy giving a testimony about, it was before video gaming was really as big as it is right now, but um, we would give these testimonies of sharing the gospel with people, and he was like, well, I don't know this guy's name, but like, pray for Dream Skull, like this guy that Dream he was Skull. like yes. talking to on the headset or yes. whatever. And at first I was like, okay, I mean, I guess, the Lord knows his name. Um, <laughs> but, but now, in retrospect, I'm like, like he was living on mission for the Lord where he was. And he was leveraging his hobbies, his talents, all those things for the, the glory of the Lord and to be a witness. So I think it can be as unique and niche as that, or it can be, you know, something a little bit more mainstream. Either way, it's okay. Dream Skull, shout out. Shout out to Dream Skull uh, this morning. <laughs> I, I, I think we, you know, we kind of get some of that understanding from that passage in Acts 17, uh, verse 28, uh, that in him we live and move, we have our being. Yeah. That we're really deriving our identity, our sense of uh, purpose from the Lord, and we're bringing that into each situation and environment that we interact with. Exactly. Yeah, I think that that's one of those things of, even if, if our church decided to not have any formal outreach events, which we won't, <laughs> but if we did, each of us would still get that opportunity and have that opportunity to be a conduit of God's blessing and of a steward of the gospel wherever we are. And so we do that, not just putting it on later, but because we are abiding in Him, we're living in Him, we're um, spending time with Him, we have a story to tell. So that is part of what motivates us as we go out. It's like, it's, we, are, we are planted and rooted and grounded in the Lord. And that helps us have things to say, helps us have a story to share when we go out. Yeah, can we talk about, I appreciate you drawing yeah. on that so much. I think I'm sitting here and like, uh, is there any other kind of more like type A personalities in the room where you're like, oh, I have a calendar actually, and I have my plans for the day. And uh, you know, I. I think one of the things that often in my heart like comes into conflict with those moments that I think as we're just living and walking in the spirit, right? As we're walking with the Lord and he's revealing to us those opportunities, one of those, the immediate rubs is maybe whether it's inside of your workplace, it's inside of your neighborhood, it could even be with your own family. But the thing that comes into conflict sometimes is like, man, what about my time? This, this conversation could go from me in five minutes to an hour and a half or my schedule today. Like I can't, I've got to get on to see the next patient or uh, I've, I've got, man, I've got to like, I've got to like be, you know, even me, I think like learning to be more attentive at the situations around me instead of just kind of like moving on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. Do you have any coaching for us as to maybe how to, how to press into that a little bit in our own hearts? Yeah, so I think one of the things is um, maybe making time to have, or creating space. This idea of creating space in your life and some margin so that you can, when you, maybe not having so many things, boom, 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 all together in your schedule. We kind of talked about this a little bit this summer. Um, shout out to Baird and John Mark Comer for helping us like think about that. But when we think about how we spend our time, sometimes it's that we have every second of every day filled up and we don't have any room for any sort of interruption. Um, and that is not conducive to meeting people. 
that God has called us to meet. And so because a huge part of our identity is in Him and we are witnesses, that means that changes. This, because it's part of our assignment, it's part of our job, we change the way that we engage. We change the way that we go out. And so I know that I'm probably not as type A as most people are. I mean, I get in that mode where I'm like, all right, I got to knock out my list. But I find even when I do that, the Lord puts somebody in my day and is like, no, you're going to talk to this person. And so I think it requires a lot of prayer on the front end of, of expectancy, of openness with the Lord. And I, I think if you do that, you'll find that he'll help slow you down. Um, throughout the day, and he'll help you to see, man, that person maybe is hurting, or maybe let me take a double take and see and lean in here if I need to. And, and sometimes, too, even if you're type A, other people are, too. So he might have you share with somebody who's just like the same, like, oh my gosh, like, can you get to the point already? So seeing how those things overlap is important. Remembering that the Lord is the one orchestrating these things mm. is really important to remember. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I think one of the ideas, maybe a question to write down in your journal, if you're taking notes today, put it in your phone, is like, where, where does my priorities need realignment that would allow me to be more effective uh, at meeting people where they're at and bringing them the gospel? I think that's a, a, maybe a helpful question for us to consider, like, walking away from today. I know that uh, we talked about personal ministry. I want to talk about personal ministry in the life of the church because that's a unique thing. It's like there's a reality of being a part of uh, a body as a person. So my being is united with other beings in the body of Christ as the Lord has adopted me into his family. And uh, I think we see some unique realities of that as we uh, co-labor in stewarding our individual gospel ministry uh, there's unique opportunity for that as well. Yeah. So when, before we ever become a member of a church, we have a personal ministry. We are conduits of God's blessing. We are witnesses. So how amazing is it that we get to come together and all these different giftings and talents and abilities and opportunities that the Lord has opened up for us individually, we have together. So our values and um, our values and our priorities, they align and complement one another, and we form one body, and we collectively have a witness to the rest of the world, to the city, um, and beyond. So that's great. It's maybe, really Maybe we should do this. About. What if you, right now, just, I want you to just look at your neighbor, and I want you to say, you're an ambassador. Not that aggressive. That was very aggressive. <laughs> Sorry. You're an ambassador. Be nicer. And, all right, and then turn to the other side and, and just say that. Because I think there, there's this reality. Yes. <laughs> there's this reality that we need to feel together, right? Each, we each, as people of God, have our own individual stewardship. But what a unique reality of what God has in, invited us into in his family, that we actually have a shared stewardship, that we're co-laboring mm -hmm. in the calls of Christ. Yeah. I think it's a really beautiful thing. It's like, we, we talk about this, how we get to encourage one another. We have fuel for the mission. So the things that God is calling us to, it's exciting. It's fun to labor with your friends. If you've ever volunteered or served, even on a Sunday morning, I'm sure there are stories that you have to tell about the different things that have happened, recognizing that you have built-in community, built-in accountability, built-in encouragement just by virtue of being a part of, of this body. That's yeah, good. That's amazing. I think about 
John 15, and Jesus is talking to his disciples about staying connected to him as the vine, and how apart from him, they could not bear any fruit. The only way they were going to bear fruit in their life is to be connected to the source of their sustenance, the, the vine. We each, as individual branches, right, we are connected together to Christ, and that because of our connection to Christ, have the opportunity together to see fruit born in our lives. And I, I just think that's, personally, I think that's incredibly encouraging. I think it's incredibly encouraging to look at brothers and sisters and, and actually walk together in a way that knows that we're working together towards stewarding that same call. That's really, really special. Hey, can you riff on something really quick for me? And this is going to like, I think maybe create a little bit of a rub. Sometimes in the life of the church, right, like maturity in Christ somehow can get separated from a missional identity, like that I can, I can be growing in knowledge of God or maturity of the things of God, but somehow like being a person who is an ambassador for Christ outwardly, you know, an evangelist, a person who is a gospel person bringing help and hope. This is this thing that I can do, but is not necessarily connected to maturity in Christ. Mm-hmm. Can you riff on that for a minute? Yeah. So when I hear you say that, I hear you saying that maybe sometimes as believers, we are learning, growing, knowing more about God, but we find it hard to go out there and like make him known and build those relationships, correct? Yeah, so I think part of this is just recognizing um, first God's call to us. Like Jesus says this to his disciples in John 15, 16. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and that you would bear fruit and that your fruit would remain. Um, So that's one of the things is recognizing that that's part of what he's called us to, to bear fruit and not just any kind of fruit, but fruit that's going to last But then two, that faith without works is dead. So when you think about a sponge on your sink that has been doing all the work for you in your kitchen that you never wring out, what's gonna happen to that sponge? Super graphic and gross (laughs) Um, description. But we receive all these things to be wrung out, to, to share those things with others, to impart those things with others. And so a part of health is reproducing um, in that way, in, in bearing fruit. And so I think when, we rem- when we're able to remember that and also go to each other for encouragement and not just walk it alone, that provides the fuel, I think, yeah. for, for that work. Yeah, that's so helpful. And I think even encouraging, I think pastorally, some of the conversations that I have, <clears throat> even regularly, I think can lie around like, man, I feel like I'm like peaked in my relationship with God or I'm not growing or I'm not seeing like fruit uh, coming in my life. And I think a lot of the questions sometimes like, man, are you walking in obedience? Like in the simple things of ministry that God has called you to, of bringing help and hope in the gospel to those around you. And so I think this is, if you're that person, if you're like, I, I just am, I want to know more of God. I want to enjoy him more. I want to feel more fulfilled in my life and relationship with him. I think if this is an area in your life that is lacking, this may be something to lean into today and even ask the Lord to invite you, even kind of put more of a burden on your heart uh, for this work. So, okay, one of the things that's unique about ICC, we're a city church, right? We're in the city, in the heart of the city. Yes, Memphis, go Grizz. You know, we love the city. We're a church that is for the city. Uh, this is unique. This brings some unique realities around how we bring help and hope into our context. Can you tell us a little bit about maybe some of the 
distinctions, a lot of us may come from, I think in our church, come from suburban life. There's unique realities about being in the heart of the city and being a minister of reconciliation. Tell us about that. Yes. So the difference between or the distinction between um, city and suburbia or suburban which I don't know if suburbia is offensive. I'm not trying to be. But the difference between that, when you think of the United States as a whole, and this is something that um, Tim Keller highlights in City Church. So if you are Center Church, Center Church. So if you have a chance, um, that's a great resource for you to have. But he talks about how most evangelicals are located, most evangelical churches are located within suburban areas, not the city center. So I think for us, we kind of have our work cut out for us because we are boldly here in the city, in the center of the city and at the intersection of a couple of communities. And we'll talk about that. But that means that the way that we do outreach, the way that we engage with these different populations is going to be a little bit tailored, more tailored to their actual needs. And within, um, within the city, in general, there's typically the younger generation, they're typically those who um, are up and coming in their careers and can afford to live downtown, you know, think about those types of things. They're the cultural elite. They're the ones who are trendsetters for just where the culture is headed. And then you think about these other, where it says accessible, unreached people groups, specifically on Mud Island, there's, it's 12% international population. So God is still bringing the nations to us. And they're normally located within the city, the city proper. And then also the poor. Think about those who are experiencing homelessness. Think about um, those who have just deeper needs, maybe uh, lower income housing or subsidized housing, different things like that. So these things are unique distinctives for us, and it's a great opportunity for us to open our eyes and, and engage with intentionality. But I think because we don't instinctively know these things, it provides the opportunity for us to be learners, to take the time and press in and learn and just try to study and study our people so that we can enter in in a way that actually scratches where the itch, if you know what I mean. That's so good. Yeah. Tim Keller talks about uh, in the same book that she was referencing that is really a fantastic uh, guide map for city ministry. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, he talks about uh, compassion, engagement, and hope as the three realities of how a church moves towards uh, the city. Um, you know, one of the realities about and blessings, I think, of being a city believer and also a part of a city church is uh, we can't escape brokenness, right? Brokenness is very, like, present in the life of the city. Uh, need is very, very present in the life of the city. And we get the invitation as people of God not to flee away from uh, brokenness, but to actually move towards it. Because we're in touch through the gospel of Jesus. We're in touch with our own brokenness that we know you can receive healing from. So we know what Jesus is able to do for us. And differently than other residents of the city, we can move towards brokenness instead of flee it or just try to fix it or put a bow on it. Maybe sometimes I think uh, we can move towards it with the gospel, knowing that the gospel actually encounters with compassion brokenness and offers uh, restoration to it. 
There's also engagement. Uh, you know, I, we, 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 we don't flee away from the idea of the city. A lot of times you see this idea as cities are centers of all different types of thought, of all different types of people, and conflict of ideologies, and all these different types of things. Uh, we, don't, we don't believe that. We, we really love the city, and we move towards those spaces knowing that the Lord loves city people. And he, he uses the word hope. We use that in ours as well, help and hope. Uh, but truly knowing that just a, a, good, a good work of coming alongside of great causes in the city to improve people's lives, to uh, help uh, their current circumstances, uh, that is not our end goal. And that is a temporary solution in people's lives. It is good and needs to be present as we move towards brokenness. We want to be bringing help, but we also want to see that paired with the hope of the gospel that we know we're not going to be able to redeem or restore people's present circumstances in all cases, but we know that in Jesus that he is making all things new. I think that's a really important uh, reality about us uh, being in the city, being a city church, being for the city, and living out help and hope here in downtown Memphis. So I want to go ahead and we're going to pivot and invite two of our uh, local ministry assessment team members up. We're going to invite up Matt Meredith, who served on that team for the last year, and Laura Nedden. They're awesome. Yeah, come on. Get some clapping, clapping exercise today. And, uh, oh, TJ, I thought you were coming to share too. Thank you. Thanks for the mics. Uh, what we're going to do is we want to begin the conversation that we talked about in Acts 1-8, uh, beginning through Jerusalem, and we want to look at what we believe, have worked to define, ICC's Jerusalem is. What is our present community that we're residing in and called to move towards in a really intentional way in this season? So I just want to say for them, the three that are up here, Katasha is included in this, Julie Kerrigan and Anna Wilcox, that our church has a lot to be grateful for in them. I've seen them lead an incredible way in this last season through this process. And they've had weekly meetings. They've, on top of those weekly meetings or bi-weekly meetings, been doing work in and in each one of these neighborhoods. They did prayer, they've done lots of prayer walks in them. They've led y'all in to those prayer walks. They've done tons and tons of conversations with community leaders in each one of these communities, as well as resident surveys. And I'm telling y'all, it is a there has been a buku of work. Buku, that's a, is that a real word? I don't know. A lot of work that has gone into what we drilled down into this assessment to give you today. Uh, so there's binders and binders of research that has happened uh, to prepare this for y'all. And I just want to say thank you guys. Thank y'all so much for what y'all have done in this season. Let's talk a little bit about our Jerusalem. So uh, you want to start yeah. us off? Okay. So I mentioned earlier, I did this, which I meant to do. It's like a cross-section of four different communities. So maybe I'll have a better sign for it soon. Um, but we've recognized that we are unique Jerusalem. And you see this in Acts 1-8. He tells us to go be witnesses. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth, or to the end of the earth, depending on your translation. So our Jerusalem, we initially were, our church was planted on Mud Island. Um, maybe 20 years ago. Yeah, so that is our origin story, if you will, Mud Island, and the current community that our church is located within is Uptown, and quite a few of our members 
reside in Midtown. And that's kind of like a cross-section, lots of, it's a, it's a part of the, it's not the city center, but it's a huge part of the city. It's the heart of the city in many ways. And then South Main is a community that we see needs a gospel witness. It's very close to us. And that's kind of how we determined, that's how we determined our Jerusalem. Yeah. That's awesome. Thanks for giving us that overview. I think that is helpful to understand that framework for us and, and why we began there. You may be thinking, hey, I don't live in any of those neighborhoods. Is that my Jerusalem? We'll talk about that later. But I, I, I want us, just for the sake of conversation today, to look at these highlighted communities uh, and to see the unique opportunity that our church is going to have in them. So starting with Mud Island, Matt, would you, would you give us a little snapshot of what, what is this community, Mud Island? We're Island Community Church, you know? What is it's that? in the name. Yeah, um, it is in the name. Yeah, so Mud Island, like Katasha was sharing, kind of where the church started. Um, maybe just for fun, who here lives on Mud Island, has lived on Mud Island? Yeah, seems about right. Um, no, so Mud Island is actually a relatively new community in the city of Memphis. Uh, apartments weren't even built there until about 1989, and the land itself was actually just kind of a sandbar in the early 1900s that... Uh, over time, kind of more land mass accumulated. The Hernando de Soto Bridge being built uh, resulted in literally tons of earth matter being deposited. And finally, it was above the floodplain and more construction could begin. Uh, what's neat about it, though, and maybe unique compared to other neighborhoods in Memphis, is it was kind of built within this new urbanism movement where the idea is to not just be residential or not just be here's our business, or here's our restaurant district, um, but try to bring that all into one space, residential, business, restaurants, healthcare, fitness, uh, all in one community with the hope that it would be uh, a really neat communal living experience where uh, the people would be out and among each other uh, doing life um, right where they live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one of the things, too, just even about the island is that, um, what, it's 45% of the island is between 25 to 44. So it's pretty young, pretty hip, if you think about it. <laughs> and you, like, I, I love what you said, Matt, about the way that the city was planned, because you always see people out and about, right? People are always running on the Greenbelt, um, walking their dogs at Cordelia's, just there's so many spaces to be and to oh and there's a dog park now which there is. we have a picture of on page seven so please <laughs> avail yourself to this resource but yeah yeah i think that's amazing it's like it is a community with a lot of vibrancy in the heart of downtown uh, there's a lot of people constantly out living out and so much unique opportunity uh, there in the community one of the things we wanted to kind of share with you all a little bit we did a whole bunch of community member surveys to try to understand more through this process what the community said would serve them best. How did the community members say you could bring help to our community? Instead of us as a church just kind of making a general assessment about it, we really wanted to learn it from the community inside out to know how to bring help and hope. And so maybe, can we talk about that for a little bit? Like some of the different things that we heard uniquely about Mud Island from Mud Island community members? Yeah, yeah. I think something, especially from residents, was actually a real desire for authentic community and relationship. Um, kind of ironic considering the way that it was 
built and designed to be a place that naturally fosters community. Um, a lot of feedback was still desiring a depth of community and authenticity, actually. Um, so honestly, in a way, we can still view Mud Island as almost a impoverished neighborhood in the sense of relationally and in community. A lot of people actually live by themselves, percentage-wise. Um, you know, Katasha mentioned that 12% international population, that's like one in eight. Uh, in, understandably, coming from a different country, a different part of the world, and now you're here, um, actually a lot of loneliness kind of came up in our surveys. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we had people say, like, I don't have a friend. I'm surrounded by people. I'm a high performer in my company, in my job. I'm, I've achieved a lot, but I don't have any friends. And I, I mean, that just hit me uh, living in that neighborhood. Um, but I think specifically just the unique opportunity of our church, which has become a, a, a friend and a family to so many of us, we would say that. That was one of the things that drew us in here. Uh, really unique opportunity by providing community. Yeah, any other thoughts on? Yeah, I had an opportunity to meet with uh, Maria, who owns the Maria Montessori School, which they celebrated 30 years uh, this fall of being open uh, on Mud Island. So she was the, the, the first organization that was a part of that community. And also Erica, who runs uh, Cordelia's Market. And both of them just really expressed to me their desire to be a resource for the community. And so obviously they each have their own intentions of, you know, education and commerce, but also really wanting to be a place where the community can gather. And so um, that's still like a longing that uh, it was, the community was designed with that uh, in mind, but also that's still the heartbeat of uh, leaders in, um, of organizations and, and businesses on Mud Island. And so I think that's a really unique opportunity too for our church. Um, I mean, we, we used to meet at the Montessori School and um, you know, do different things even at the amphitheater right behind the school. And so there's, there's just different ways that we can continue to maintain connection as well as um, be a gathering uh, place uh, for people on the island. Yeah, thank you so much for, for sharing that, Laura. I think you know, one of the unique opportunities that we even have right away. Uh, and we're not going to tell you much about what, what you can do today, but I do want to mention there's a Fall Fest going on at Cordelia's this afternoon at, what time is it? 12 to 4. <clears throat> 12 to 4. And we'll have actually some members of our church. We'll be having a table there and different things, but like that is a great place to go and connect with residents of that community and to work on building friendships that will then lead to those gospel opportunities. Uh, a lot of what we're doing today in the assessment, you could equate it to similar to after Nehemiah heard about the brokenness of Jerusalem, that he had to go out after he spent time grieving and praying, he got the opportunity to go out and survey the damage, survey what had happened to the wall. It's really important to get the opportunity to take that kind of look at our community through this assessment resource. And so let's, maybe could we switch gears and even start talking about Uptown a little bit? Yeah, so Uptown is a pretty unique community. How many of you live in Uptown? Okay, just me right now. <laughs> and I think Cedric uh, as well, who's, who drums sometimes. Uh, but so Uptown is actually an up and coming community. So it's in the name too. <laughs> um, so in 1990, Uptown received the Hope Six grant, 
uh, from the federal government. And so I don't know if you've ever seen the movie The Blind Side with Michael Orr. Um, and he played for the, the Ravens, I believe, the Baltimore Ravens. But that his community where he lived was called Hurt Village. And it actually is like directly across the street from our church. So you see that doesn't exist anymore. It was something that was torn down and remodeled. And so this community has been redeveloped over the past couple of years through t- due to different grants and funding, even within the city of Memphis, the Community Redevelopment Agency, they've done a lot of work in Uptown as well. But one of the really unique things about Uptown is that the homes, were when they were remodeled, they were remodeled to look like Harbortown and Uptown. Um, there's a quote in here on uh, page 12 from Henry Turley, one of the main developers. He asked himself the question, how can we apply the same development pattern to lower income neighborhoods with similar positive results? Um, and so when you go, sometimes you can't tell the difference between if, if I just showed you a picture, you might think it's from, from Mud Island. And so anyway, in the community, Memphis as a whole, just Memphis, the city of Memphis is about 60, 62 or 67, 62% black, but Uptown is like 81% black, so that's even more than the rest of the city. But it's becoming more diverse because of how they, de- they have developed the community and more people are coming to it. It has a long um, history of different stages throughout its history, and I would challenge you to avail yourself to that um, within here. But then know, too, the name Up- Uptown uh, changed in the 90s when they were redeveloping it. it. Initially, it was Green Law, which many of you might know from our ministry with Memphis Athletic Ministries at the Green Law Community Center, that it's not just a random name. That's actually used to be the name of that community was Green Law. And so um, there are lots of opportunities within Uptown because it's becoming um, more diverse too, but also because it's been, people have intentionally tried to preserve that neighborhood um, in its glory, but then invite others in too. So yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. What, it, what were some of the things that we heard from residents as we got out and did surveys, as we prayer walked, even through community leaders? Laura, I know you spent some time with different community leaders. Uh, Yeah, I think that uh, one of the things that I really appreciated is that um, there's been a lot of different investment in in Uptown, and that has actually been somewhat of a concern to some residents because of not wanting to lose their kind of culture and and own sense of community that they've had for so many years. And so just kind of a, um, a... a challenge between balancing, you know, preservation versus development. And so that's something that uh, Kamani, who helps run the Community Redevelopment Agency, uh, who has helped to um, improve so many of these homes and still allow residents to live there. And so that was the, one of the things that he really emphasized was that they don't want to develop this community in such a way that its own residents can no longer afford to live there. Um, and so that's something that um, is uh, just an effort, but also a, a challenge as different. Um, there's just opportunity, I think, for, for our church to come alongside and uh, learn from residents and be an advocate for them without an agenda. And um, that's just something that is, can be hard to do. But we, I mean, our agenda is to love people uh, with the love of Christ. And so I think that's actually the best agenda there can be. 
um, the only one that has any kind of eternal impact. And, um, and so I just think there's, there is just, it's a community that um, has, there's, there can be some physical needs there, but also um, an opportunity to be f for them and not for an agenda. Yeah, and I think something else that stuck out for me was some of the similarities and feedback from Uptown residents and Mud Island residents. Uh, both communities enjoy their proximity to downtown and without being in downtown, both communities were kind of interested in improving crime incidents, uh, but both communities had residents that were uh, really desiring better opportunities for their children and good education for their children. and. Uh, I think we heard from several residents, community leaders even, uh, about the value of the children in their neighborhood and the desire uh, to see investment, um, even from a very early age, um, to impact uh, yeah. lives and communities. Yeah, that was one of the things we heard a lot was around literacy and then also things for youth that would help keep youth safe <laughs> and also keep them from getting into trouble in the community and opportunity to to really support that effort. A lot of the residents voice that, so yeah. so thankful. I think there's opportunities as we're starting to talk about some of these things that we we're hearing from residents. I hope that maybe God is starting to stir your heart uh, towards uh, particular opportunities maybe that you could move towards. Let's talk about Midtown really quickly and uh, have the opportunity to kind of give everybody a snapshot of the, cro the crossroads. Is that what? The crossroads of Memphis, Midtown. Yeah, um, I... Uh just want to be able to quickly share about that. Um, we, the Mid Midtown, I think we probably have a, a decent number of people that would um, say that they're residents of Midtown. Any, any hands? Anybody want to acknowledge? Okay, yeah, we got some. There we go. Um, but, Midtown um, is Memphis. Yes. Yeah, that's what they say. Midtown yeah. is Memphis is, is the quote, right? But it is, um, it's the largest um, community that we're, where we uh, did an op um, observation. And so, uh, in some ways, it's, it was a little daunting because there are so many people that live there, so many different um, opportunities to observe as well. But uh, Midtown really is uh, an eclectic um, community and really a, a focus on um, just arts and, and culture in different ways. And you can see that in, in different communities specifically. But um, a lot of um, the, the venues for the arts are, are right in Midtown. Uh, but also a lot of people that live there have been living there their whole lives. Um, I mean, one couple that I talked to have lived in their home for over 40 years on the same street, and he just grew up down the street um, in another, um, in, within the same neighborhood, but in another home. And so just a lifelong resident of Midtown. And so there's a lot of that, as well as a lot of people um, moving in, uh, too, that aren't necessarily... Um, from Midtown, but want to live there because of, again, close proximity to everything and, um, you know, tons of parks and places that um, are great for hanging out but and walking. Um, so just the walkability because so many businesses are located right in Midtown. And so um, really diverse in lots of ways um, in ideology as well as, which is a little bit different from us uh, as a church, um, more I, I would say progressive uh, in some ways, but also uh, there's an openness uh, in Midtown that uh, where people want to engage, they want to be a part of good causes. And so um, one of the things that we heard from people was a concern about homelessness. And so 
they you know, said that that would be one way that a church could, could help out. Um, but you know, it, a lots, of, lots of openness to different, different causes, and that's an opportunity, again, for us to be able to engage with help, but also to bring the aspect of hope. And people that are also spiritually open, um, there's not just evangelical churches in Midtown, but, um, and there's really a lack of churches compared to, uh, like, per capita, I guess you could say. Uh, for the number of people that live there, and so really seeing a need for um, a, a continuing growing church presence in Midtown to be able to connect people to um, helping people, uh, but also bringing in the hope of Christ. It's awesome. Thank you, Laura, so much. I, I want to just briefly touch on South Main community <clears throat> and why it's represented in here. You know, South Main, if you're familiar with it, on the south side of downtown uh, is really a community on the rise. It's a place, maybe you've gone to eat, there's great restaurants over there, uh, fun nightlife, shopping, different things like that. It's a really up and coming area of the city. It's a very affluential area of the city. A lot of city leaders live in that part of town. Does anybody live in South Main that's here? Rob, okay, awesome. Yeah, anybody? Else? Okay, awesome. Love that. I, I really, I think there's a lot of future opportunity for our church in that community. One of the things, just to be honest, that we kind of struggled with uh, was getting the same inroads with different community leaders as well as residents, because a lot of the people live in buildings and different things like that that we weren't able to walk up to their door and uh, knock on the door to kind of get some of the information that we got from the other surveys. But what we really believe and have been praying about is the unique opportunities that God is presenting our church with this community on the south side of downtown. There's a lot of similarities to a lot of the demographics of our church with a lot of the people that are living in the South Main community. So we're really praying, and we want to invite you to be praying uh, with us for future work that God could be establishing in those neighborhoods uh, down on South Main uh, and the neighborhoods right around there that would give our church inroads to bring help and hope into that community. I also would love to challenge and ask us with South Main, specifically South Main and Uptown, you didn't see many hands going up for both of those neighborhoods, but I think any of our neighborhoods, would you even consider, could God be calling me to move into one of these neighborhoods, to be a light of the gospel in this community downtown? I think the Lord could be stirring some of our hearts there, especially as we talked about, there's not much work going on right now for our church in that community. We're really praying that God would stir people's hearts to move towards it uh, in the season ahead and provide those inroads. And so I feel really excited about that, really excited about that. Thank you guys so much. I really am so grateful. That is a really brief snapshot. I hope that y'all will take this assessment booklet and take it home and read it. Uh, We kind of wanted to draw out some highlights from it today. But I think it will be very beneficial to you in understanding our different neighborhoods, our focused neighborhoods as a church, and some of the unique opportunities that we saw lift out through this process in them. I want to go ahead and turn towards a moment to give you uh, some time with God as we respond to what the Lord is speaking today. There's been a lot of different information in different ways, invitation in the gospel and our being and our doing and stewardship of our ministry of reconciliation that God has given to us. We talked a lot about how we see that lived out across Scripture and the commands and invitation of believers and the local church to bring help and hope to their community and even looking at high-level 
some of the realities and the unique brokenness and the unique opportunities in the different communities right around our church. What I wanted to do is just give you time first to just kind of pause and reflect, uh, just give you a minute to be with God. And as you're reflecting, I want you to take time and, and process. Process maybe what God is speaking to you. Is he calling you to move into one of these communities? Is he just helping you to see, man, my neighbor needs a friend. I need to be a friend for that gospel opportunity. Maybe God's just saying to you, hey, I'm trying to remind your heart today that you have not stewarded well this invitation to be a minister of reconciliation. Let's take some time to reflect now. Thanks again for listening to this Bible teaching from Island Community Church. We want to encourage you to join us for worship in person soon. No podcast can replace God's good design of gathering with other believers in a local church. For more gospel resources and ways to connect with our church, visit us at iccmemphis.com. We offer a prayer of blessing for you from Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope.